How wonderful it is to see you all here on this beautiful day. I said last night uh, at St. John's in Arden that at least meteorologically speaking, this Lent and Holy Week have really lived up to their reputation. It's been just miserable as we slogged through four nor'easters and thought that winter would never, ever go away. Now, I heard there's something on the horizon, but let's not dwell on that now. (laughs) The Lord has risen. And yesterday I saw a blue sky and little tiny purple flowers poking out of the lawn in the rectory. And I was so filled with joy, not just because the weather had changed, but because as Christians, we go through this season of Lent, this long season of penitence, of fasting, of self-denial. And then it all sort of comes to a head with Holy Week. Last week was Palm Sunday, where we, uh, rep- we uh, remembered the Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, waving palms, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, at the beginning of the service. And then by the end, we shout, crucify him. And throughout the following week, we go deeper and deeper into that darkness of the crucifixion. The Holy Triduum are the three days leading up to Easter. Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Eve. And Maundy Thursday, we came together here for a beautiful liturgy uh, commemorating the institution of the Holy Eucharist and of the priesthood. So two very joyful things but also contrasting that with the sorrowful night that Jesus spent in the Garden of Gethsemane, weeping. Many of you were able to join us for prayer in the chapel, which was set up to represent the Garden of Gethsemane this year, and I was very happy that you took advantage of that. And the next day, Good Friday, is the darkest day of the week, in which we recount Jesus' trial, his scourging, and his crucifixion. Now, all of these things, these events, on the surface, seem to get darker and darker. But Jesus is at the center of it. He's surrounded by all kinds of people who don't know what's going on. Even his disciples don't know what's going on. They are as confused as anyone else. There's chaos. Who will be the one to betray him? Who will be the one to deny him? But Jesus has his concentration and his mind sort of laser-focused straight ahead towards Calvary, knowing that's where he is going to end up. It's not that he wanted to do that. Remember in the garden, he prayed for the cup to pass from him. But nevertheless, he said, Father, your will be done. And so he goes from the upper room to the cross, to the tomb. And throughout that, throughout that darkness, throughout that sadness, throughout that confusion and chaos, the one sort of tonic note that runs through it is love. His love for all of mankind. All who were then, all who had been, all who would be, all who still have not yet been born. In the upper room on Maundy Thursday, while breaking bread with his disciples, he undergoes a great act of humility. He is their Lord and Master. He is co-creator of the universe. He is from before time and creation. And yet, 
He takes off his outer robe, ties a towel around his waist, and kneels down in humility and washes their feet, giving them the example of humility. And he says to them, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. By this they will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So then he is taken away to be tried in front of Pilate and the chief priests and the scribes who bring all sorts of false accusations against him. And he goes eventually to the cross. And from the cross, he says to God, he could have had an attitude of spite, but instead love. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And again from the cross, looking down as almost everyone who he knew and loved had deserted him, he saw only his mother and the disciple whom he loved, St. John. And he said to John, Behold your mother. And to his mother, Behold your son. And from that moment on, John took her into his home and took care of her for the rest of his life in true Christian form. And so, though we commemorate and we feel viscerally and emotionally the sadness and the tragedy of Holy Week, it is through that tragedy, as we say in the prayer book, through the grave and gate of death, that we come to Jesus' glorious resurrection. And so what we celebrate here is not just the coming of spring and the blooming of flowers and the hatching of chicks and bunnies and that sort of stuff, although that's nice. I have a nice chocolate bunny waiting for me at home, and there's a lovely brunch later this afternoon, but that's not what it's about. Those are great things, and those are ways to celebrate, and God wants us to celebrate and enjoy life. But in celebrating and enjoying life, we are taking just a little bit of a part in Jesus' resurrection. We cannot understand it fully until we experience it ourselves, and we believe that we will. But now we celebrate the fact that Jesus has broken the gates of hell. Jesus has triumphed over death by death. Jesus, in hanging on the tree, grafted us into his body, the church, making us his brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the Most High God and heirs of eternal life. That is why we rejoice. That is why every candle in this church is lit. That is why we have magnificent music today and children flowering the cross and beautiful vestments and flowers everywhere. That is why. That is the meaning. Jesus overcame death for us and we have eternal life. And so in that vein, I would like to share with you something very special and I have a a helper today. This is a short homily that is read every year in Orthodox churches all throughout the world. Now, sadly, uh, Easter does not fall on the same day usually. Sometimes it does, but usually not between the East and the West. But when it does happen for the Eastern Orthodox, people around the world will hear this brief homily, and blessedly brief, because if you've ever been to an Orthodox liturgy, it takes many, many hours to accomplish, so they keep the preaching brief. But uh, here is the catechetical homily of St. John Chrysostom. 
If anyone is a devout and lover of God, let them enjoy this beautiful and radiant festival. If anyone is a grateful servant, let them rejoicing enter into the joy of the Lord. If anyone has wearied themselves from fasting, let them now receive recompense. If anyone has labored from the first hour, let them today receive their just reward. If anyone has come at the third hour, with thanksgiving let them feast. If any has arrived at the sixth hour, let them have no misgivings, for they shall suffer no loss. If anyone has delayed until the ninth hour, let them draw near without hesitation. If anyone has arrived even at the eleventh hour, let them not fear on account of tardiness. For the master is gracious and receives the last even as the first. He gives rest to him that comes at the eleventh hour, just as to him who was laboring from the first. He has mercy upon the last and cares for the first. To the one he gives and to the other he is gracious. He both honors the work and praises the intention. Enter all of you, therefore, into the joy of our Lord, and whether first or last, receive your reward. O rich and poor, one with one another, dance for joy. O you ascetics and you negligent, celebrate the day. You that have fasted and you that have disregarded the fast, rejoice today. The table is rich laden, feast royally, all of you. The calf is fatted, let no one go forth hungry. Let all partake of the feast of faith. Let all receive the riches of goodness. Let no one lament their poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one mourn their transgressions, for a pardon has dawned from the grave. Let no one fear death, for the Savior's death has set us free. He that was taken by death has annihilated it, He descended into Hades and took Hades captive. Now, there is participation in this sermon at the end. So, Tate is going to help me. And when Tate reads out one of the statements, you repeat after Tate, okay? Are you ready, Tate? Okay. He embittered it when it tasted his flesh. And anticipating this, Isaiah exclaimed, Hades was embittered when it encountered thee in the lower regions. It was embittered. It was embittered, for it was abolished. It was embittered. It was embittered, for it was mocked. It was embittered. It was embittered, for it was purged. It was embittered. It was embittered, for it was despoiled. It was embittered, for it was bound in chains. It took a body and came upon God. It took earth and encountered heaven. It took what it saw, but crumbled before what it had not seen. O death, where is thy sting? O Hades, where is thy victory? Christ is risen. Christ is risen, and you are overthrown. Christ is risen, and the demons are fallen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen. Christ is risen, and life reigns. Christ is risen. Christ is risen, and not one dead remains in a tomb. 
For Christ, being raised from the dead, has become the firstfruits of them that have slept. To him be glory and might unto the ages of ages. Amen.